Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for well-qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. Hey y'all, this is Ed Lover. Come on, son, the podcast. And of course, y'all know how we do. Brought to you by cigarsinternational.com. Appreciate all the love. And of course, Nissan South and Mile 6889 Jonesboro Road, locally here in Atlanta. Joining me in the studio today is one of the most iconic groups to I don't like to, I don't like when I talk about hip hop, I hate to separate. You know, a lot of people they they separate. They will go one of the most hip hop uh iconic hip hop groups to come from the South. Right. You know, I don't like to separate because to me, hip hop has always been this universal music the way we wanted it to be, the way we spread it out from your own TV raps. We always wanted it to be for everybody. And when hip hop really started blowing up, it was for everybody and it's still for everybody. So when I call y'all a, a iconic hip hop group, that's right. where I'm going to leave it at right, right. there. No I'm not going to regionalize it or localize it or put it in, the, in in any one city or any one region. The Goody Mob is in the building with me. Yes, yo, Welcome, yo. man. And I got up, the world? entire fucking Goody Mob. Up, like, this is, like, this is crazy. Like, the, all the fellas are here. How y'all doing, man? God bless you. Oh, man. It is absolutely wonderful to see y'all, man. How did Four young dudes hmm. from Atlanta come together to form the Goody Mop. How did that happen? Oh, that's a it's, it's a. Y'all can make a long story. Short. I was just about to say you can a make long a story, story long as you want to. We <laughs> got time, story, baby. <laughs> Listen, well, I had I had prize on from the. Fuji, I heard that. I heard him. And he, we talked. He went in. I, I want to talk. Mm-hmm. Y'all tell me how the Goody Mob started. Let's get it on. Well, um, I have to say that um. Timo and I, we had some things going on in um in high school. Uh, Timo had something he was doing called Ice Cold Tea. And um, I had a song called Him, Him, Him. So we was just letting each other hear it. And next thing you know, you know, we was at the studio together at uh, Ghetto Records down here off in uh, Southwest Atlanta off of Walker Street, where you won't even know what it is right now. Uh-huh. But we got there, and then we made the song called It's a Goody Mob thing you wouldn't understand. Timo and I did that, man. Once we did that, we was going to school with Gip. I went to school with Gip, and and CeeLo came in much later as far as going to school with us. But CeeLo was at a cookout with me one day over my partner Glenn Cookhouse. Cook. And he heard that I can rap. I heard that he can rap, man. So we got into a, a cypher, man, yeah. and just and got. So we, we was just rapping, man. Yeah, just got straight played. to it. 
Just got straight to it. But little did we know CeeLo had his thing going. So now we meet Mr. Mr. Gip. Now, Gip and I was in a group called Six Cents way back in the day when Organized Noise was sampling, still sampling James Brown records. All right. But at that time, Gip was like, he was doing the rhyming, and, and one of the uh, producers named Ray Murray, he was doing the rhyming, and also he was producing the beats. Ray was rhyming then? What? Wow. Yeah, he's a pillar, man. He's, he's a pillar in that. So, Gip and them, we did a song called, uh, uh, what is it, uh, Six to, 10 to Midnight. And this was during the um the Iraq the Desert Storm War. But we didn't really get that type of recognition until we all hooked up at the dungeon. You feel what I'm saying? So uh-huh. Timo and I brought the Goody Mob Lumberjacks up in there. Big Gip brought the East Point Chain Gang vibe up in there. And CeeLo Green. Now tell me, tell me about who else was it just you two in the in the uh Goody Mob Lumberjacks? Mm-hmm. That was the name of your group, the Goody Mob Lumberjacks. Actually, it was Goody Mob, but the reason why we said Lumberjacks is because we lived in the woods. You know what okay. I'm saying? It was rough, rugged, and raw. You know what I'm saying? So that was the kind of vibe then, man. But like I said, once we got up into the dungeon and was able to corral all the, the emotions and all the thoughts together, we came up with some real beautiful, man. It was the Goody Mob, man. Right. And CeeLo came up with the good, die mostly over bullshit. You take one all away, and God is in every man of blackness. That's when really we started really getting the meaning of what Goody Mob really was because Goody Mob was born in the traps of Howard Mill Road off of Martin Luther King Jr. Drive. Uh-huh. You feel what I'm saying? Back in the trap where niggas are selling dope and all that. That's where the, the, the name was born. I had a big homie named Big Lim. He turned us on to like cuts like P-Funk, I mean, George Clinton, because I I hadn't, I'd never heard of that stuff before. But while we was in the trap doing our thing, he started playing all that music. So it's like, man, this is what we doing, man. We got these goodies in here. We the goody mob. Right. That was behind selling contraband. But once we got out of out of that, we we formulate Goody Mob into something, something else, which is the good die mostly over bullshit. And that was something that all four of us was uh, looking at in our own hood and started realizing that. And that's why Soul Food, that album, is the way it is right now. Right. Absolutely. Timo, tell me what you what you yeah. thought of uh <clears throat> Cujo, first time you met him. Man, first time I met Cujo, I can remember this, man. It was ninth grade, um, all the girls liked him, you know what I mean? He was like, he was a knockout for all the women back in the, at, at May's High School. And I was like, man, who is this dude? I just, it just kept on talking about Willie, Willie, Willie. I'm like, man, who is this guy? And it's just funny, you know, once I saw him, it was just some type of energy he had. Well, I ain't really want to try him, you know what I mean? Because I heard he was knocking folk nose off his face. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But I just felt like he'll be a good person to team up with, you know, since I was new to the school, he was new. You know, we were both ninth graders, and I swear to God, after that, he ended up coming on my house. I was trying to DJ at, at that time. I wasn't really interested in rapping right then. I wanted to be a DJ. Uh-huh. Next thing I know, I'm t- I'm coming to pick him up from home, taking him home from school, and we just kind of just jail, man. Naturally, it was not. And he played football, and I played football. Okay, so y'all both play football in high school? Yeah. Okay. All right. So you guys are in high school playing football. Rap is what a side hobby for you. Rap was really um it it was it was not really a side hobby at that time for me. It wasn't even a hobby for me. You know, I, I used to admire Cujo cause he was a rapper and he could rap. I mean, he was saying some raps back then and I didn't really know how to put words together back then. I would rap somebody else's raps and tell him if somebody hadn't heard the song, I'd say that was me. <laughs> <laughs> so that, that really was my, my forte, man. I really was, I, I always been inspired by music and always have loved music. 
I grew up around, I don't know if you know this guy by the name of Michael Webster. Okay. He's like one of the greatest DJs around Atlanta, Georgia. He he came out the Toomp era. He he kind of inspired too. Him and Toomp used to work together. So I used to go out over Toomp House back in the days when I was wow. in school. Watch Toomp do it. Mike Fresh might be over there. Luke might be over there. JT Money. I mean, he lived right in Cascade, right in the area with all of us. So just to be inspired by him, watching him do what he does, and you know, it inspired me. And you know what? I think I might be able to do this. So right. I went and took my money and went to the studio, dude named Haywood on Martin Luther King, spent about $800 with him, and put together me a record. And, and my uncle at the time used to own Charles Disco mm-hmm. on Simpson Road. That's that's like a landmark West, for the baby. 80s. You know what I mean? And he let my uncle say, go ahead. You want to try it, Terry? Go ahead. That's my nickname, Terry. So he was like, go ahead, Terry, try it. So I went up there, and I played my music. I ain't even gonna lie to you, man. It cleared the dance floor, man. Oh, wow. <laughs> it pulled the hell up out of there, man. You know what I'm Never you know, did make no dance music. Right I didn't make dance music back then. I was, I was, like I said, I was really inspired at that time by Miami type of music. You know, New okay. York music was, was bomb.com. At first, that was how I used to make people think I had skills. I used to be a Cool G Rap fan, a Big Daddy Kane fan, and I would learn a couple of their records and go back, you know, around the people I work with and spit a verse or two, and they'd be like, oh, man, it's the dude that can rap. You know what <laughs> I mean? And that just kind of just spawned to making me want to learn how to do it, man. I learned how to do it, and now I'm running with DJ. Man, I'm going to tell you, when Beat Street and Breaking came out, uh-huh. it changed Atlanta, bro. How so? Man, I'm going to tell you how so. I used to go to Southwest Middle School. Mm-hmm. And right after that movie came on, the next day, Everybody was in school with suede Adidas, no shoestrings. Oh, wow. Kangos, gazelles. I'm talking about jumpsuits, the whole nine, man. And it was like, we was break dancing up in middle school like that. Once that came out, man, we was totally influenced, bro. Oh, wow. Totally influenced, man. Yeah, that's crazy. How did how did uh, different sounds, because uh, there wasn't really a South sound yet. There was no south, no sound that was defining the South yet. How much influence did other regions in hip hop have on the South at that time? Um, no, I, I guess like to 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 continue on from where, where Joe was coming from, like you know, to be so easily influenced and so readily influenced, we were just kind of welcoming to um, to whatever the trend or or, um, or or you know whatever wave that was coming through around that time. So Atlanta didn't really have an identity right. for the most part. You know what I'm saying? Like, we just, um, we were real people. You know what I'm saying? You feel me? Like, you know, but just, just there was just a, a much more simpler, you know, time, I think. You know what I'm saying? I don't even really think it was a thought. I don't think we were conscious of anything. Um, I just think that we were just, uh, you know, living in that moment. But then you have definitive moments of that era, like Breaking and Beat Street, where you can identify with something and, and grasp onto it, you know, something that was tangible. Mm-hmm. So I had always looked at New York like it was um, this life-sized art canvas, you know what I mean? Like, and I just felt like color and, you know, no different than, um, you know, Melly Mel's rhyme at the end of Beat Street, you know what I'm saying? Like, right. you know, like Which is my favorite, my favorite rhyme of all time. Yeah. It's the best, you know what I'm saying? Um, um, and I just felt like, you know, it, as as it didn't look parvished, it looked it looked uh, impassioned with art and color mm-hmm. and expression. You know what I'm saying, you feel me, like, and uh, you know, we didn't realize we had a, a southern accent either. You know what I mean, like, you know, we thought New York people had an accent. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. <laughs> Y'all still me? do think we got an accent. <laughs> like, you know what I'm saying. But then, so, but I I can say this too, like, to to make it even more universal and expand on it a bit more. You know, at the time, the technology w- was limited. You know what I mean, like, you might have had uh, pertaining to hip hop. Uh, 
you know, a few drum machines. Remember that, the Lindrum? Yeah, the Lindrum machine, yeah. The you know what I'm saying? So, like, you could have a song like uh, Tougher Than Lover by Run DMC, which is all eight away. Yeah. Run DMC, and we're tougher than lover, yeah. lover. Boom, 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 right. boom, boom, boom. Then, then you could go all the way to the West Coast, you know, Rodney and Joe Cooley, they had finger waves. You know That's what I'm right. Like, and they won 951 Cazales, and that was dope boy shit in, in Atlanta. <laughs> so it was just the drums, you know what I'm saying? Right. right. But then, then you can go to Seattle and it was, my posse's on Broadway. Right. Uh, boom. Yeah, boom, all those drums. So every everything was together. You know what I'm saying? Like then you had, you know, the mighty Zulu Nation and they sped up the tempo. You know, and for me to read Africa Mambada's story about him, you know, winning that um, that writership, you know what I'm saying? Uh, I guess he wrote an essay mm. or something in, in alluding to that and, and won a trip to... Africa or Egypt or either one of them, you know what I'm saying, like or, or London somewhere. But that's when he was turning on the craft work and stuff like that. Right. Craft work, Gary Newman, you know what I'm saying? All of the that, that electro movement from out there. Now he made it just, you know, applicable to hip hop, but just, you know, sped up the tempo. And that became the southern version of it, the southern uh reincarnation of it. We called it skating rink music. Okay. You know what I'm saying? So it was Planet Rock. It was play at your own risk. Yeah. yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, it, it, you know, then then, then <laughs> when we adopted and made it our own, you know, it became Miami bass. You right. You know what I'm saying? So the Miami bass influence on what Lucana was doing in Miami was very, very influential in Atlanta. But, yeah, but, but its origin is Planet Rock. You know what I'm saying? Like, right, it, absolutely. It, it's even earlier origin is European German engineering. Yeah, absolutely. So you. Trans Europe Express absolutely. and all of that stuff so like that. Hip hop is truly you know, um, all-inclusive. You, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. The way that you began the uh, the, the show um, uh, earlier to just say, man, like, it's not just black, white, or, or, you know what I mean? Yeah. And, I, and I've been loving shows like The Get Down, mm -hmm. you know, on Netflix and Hip Hop Evolution. I don't know if anybody's watching that, man. Y'all should really go check out Netflix. Yeah, Look at sure. these documentaries and see where it starts. Yeah. Where was a Theodore, and I'm saying, like, cool, you know, Cool Herc. You know what I'm saying? Jazzy J, you know what I mean? Like, I know all of the names. So we 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 get into a long conversation about hip hop. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Get, tell me about uh Chain Gang. Mm. What you and Ray was doing before you met um, these dudes. Well, Chain Gang really consisted well, me and Ray, we kinda start Ray was the first person to move in my neighborhood in 85, 86. He was the first person to show me a drum machine. He was the person to show the talk Gip how to rap. Uh, the first group we had. He what also, was Gip doing before that? Before you met Ray? Any interest in hip hop at all? Mm, well, my interest my interest was in music mostly because a lady called Jean Kahn used to stay in my neighborhood. Get out of here! So, as a child, I grew up with her son. That was like my my best friend. Joseph was the first person I think in Atlanta that was a kid at that time that had a full studio in his house. Oh wow! All right, so at Miss Kahn's house, that was where I met Stevie Wonder. She was the first to take New Edition on tour when they first came out. Mm -hmm. I met New Edition over her house. So I, I got to Peebo Bryson. So I, I got to go to her concerts and hang out with her. Her daughter at that time, her name was Miriam, she had her birthday with the Jackson 5 at the Fulton County Stadium. Oh, wow. So as a kid, I was kind of like introduced that way, uh -huh. you know, and just to go into a dressing room and see all the shoes, the clothes, and stuff like that. It just kind of like right. intoxicated Now we kid. know where Gip get his love for clothes from. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah it was always like that. And, and, you know, after that, we started the chain game. Chain game really consisted of uh, of Cool Breeze, Chief, who was also on our album, this dude named OZ, and another dude named Cap One. They called him uh, Capone. 
uh, Ray was really like the producer behind it. Um, once we started that, if you think about it, if you go back and listen to the Outkast first album when when Dre said Big Gip Goody Mob, I wasn't even in Goody Mob then on the oh, first wow. album. We was just now starting to put Goody Mob together on the first Outkast album. Oh wow! You know what I mean, um, after that, that's when we uh, we recorded Blood. I mean, when we recorded Blood at Curtis Mayfield House, and I think that was like the first time that we started saying, "Okay, the Goody Mob is all four of us." That's what really? we adopted. Yeah. How do y'all end up at Curtis Mayfield House? Please, somebody tell me the story. Uh, uh, it was like uh, our first album. I think we had did the Outkast album in Boss Town. So, re- uh, which was um, Bobby Brown studio at the time. And I think Raiden was like, man, we spent so much fucking money up in there, man. Let's spend about a million, two million dollars. So, like, we need to go. I think we want to co- record somewhere else for the Goody Mob instead of just doing Boss Town. So then Reek one day was like, yo, we can record over Curtis Mayfield House. We was like, where he, where he stay? He said, on Cameron Road. I was like, what? He said, on the <laughs> other side of Cameron Road. So we go over to Curtis Mayfield House. And we fell in love with it, man. And it was so funny. Like, I tell the story all the time. Like, the jumpsuit that I wore on Soul Food, that was out of Curtis Mayfield closet. Oh, wow. So in his bedroom, he used to have the actual tapes from uh, the, the real to reels from Superfly, all his Ooh. albums. So it was like being inside of his house, man, and recording our first album, it was like we was under a microscope of somebody who we loved, admired, and cared about his opinion. Right. So I think that's the reason why Soul Food came out the way it did, because we wanted to make sure we impressed our elders at the time. Yeah. Especially being inside of his house. Yeah, Curtis, that's big. Curtis Mayfield House. Who's the first person to come to the dungeon? How did all of you guys end up in that spot and in that space? Because I saw I saw something on it when you when they when the uh when they did a documentary on it and they showed the actual house. How did all y'all end up in that space, man? I think Git was there first. Uh, it was uh, uh, Rico moved. That's after the TLC. Rico moved and said, man, yo, uh, we moving over here to the dungeon, Lakewood. That was like when Joe told the story that that he that, that him and CeeLo was rapping against each other that day. I went back and I told Ray, I said, yo, man, like, I seen Cujo. I seen Joe rap again. Rap against CeeLo and Lowe just broke out and started singing. He was like, he started singing. I said, yeah, he started singing. I ain't never seen nobody do that shit before. <laughs> he was like, hey, man, tell everybody to come to the dungeon. And I think, like, I think within that month, I think everybody started showing up at the dungeon, like, staying. Like, that's when everybody started really, like, sitting down and really starting to put, you know, the Outkast album together and really formulating who we were. And it was dope because at the dungeon, we never could record. So it was just all day of music and all day of rhymes. And, and going, sitting by Ray saying, listen to this, he'd be like, nah, that shit ain't it, write it over. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? So, so we, that's what y'all was doing all day. Y'all never recorded that? Never recorded at the dungeon. Never. Not one song. It was some demo things we recorded. Yeah, one time when me and Cujo came, we weren't really interested in being, you know, we didn't know nothing. But actually, the dungeon family had what didn't exist at that particular time. And, um... We just wanted to come over there to get some tracks from them. We knew that they had a relationship with TLC and they had a relationship with L.A. Reid and The Face. And we were trying to figure out how to get us a record deal. Me and Joe had recorded like 13 songs already. So we was trying to go. We were ready to go. We was already performing on BET. We were, we were bubbling. We were bubbling real good at that particular time. Right. And we just like, look, Ray, man, can you give us one of them beats, man? Y'all boys got some 
the next level beats. They, they just give us one. So we went in there with him and vibe one night after everybody left. It was just us two left. And um, he gave us a beat. We wrote to the song. You know, and, and it was just okay. You know, it was just okay. You know, but it was the start of something good because it made me want to come back again and again and again. And then the, 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 uh, the welcoming spirit that was in that house, you know, it was always... We want to feed you. I had my own money. Everybody had their own money, but for some reason, Reek wanted to, he wanted to send it out for everybody all the time. Whenever he went to get something to eat, he ain't come back with one one plate. He come back with enough for everybody to eat. Right. Which, which, which created an environment of love, you know what I mean? Brotherly love, you know? And it was just awesome to be a part of something like that at, at the beginning stages. I remember when Outcast wasn't even Outcast yet. You mm. know what I mean? It was over there trying to figure it out, too. And we was all just over there just so organic. Everybody just rapping and just wanted to, Prove themselves. As soon as you walk down them stairs and they playing a beat, it was like, okay, everybody looking at you. They see you know you the one you on front street. You rapping, but it was fun. It, it, it wasn't no critical thing. Everybody was just embracing whatever, whoever, whatever you brought to the table. And like like Gibbs say, one thing about CeeLo, when he brought that singing thing to it, I mean he was the first. He was the first Drake doing it. Now all them doing it. That's that's good. But he the first person I ever heard blend singing with rap. You know what I mean? I can say that. And it, like, it was just so many talented people that even didn't even get a chance to come out that was over in the dungeon also. So, I mean, that, that, that CeeLo, was... CeeLo, were, were you hearing what was going on in New York at the time? Were you getting, like, the, the old school tapes of the Cold Crush and, and all of that I just, stuff? I was just about to say Cold Crush. Uh, Cold Crush, uh... You know, Fantastic Romantic Five Fantastic and all uh, of that. Uh, Funky Four Plus One More. Yes. You know what I'm Rock, all, the, all that. You know what I'm saying? So, I, I happen to be... Uh, Ahead, as they say, you know what I'm saying? Like that's that's a, that's an East Coast term for uh, for for student. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, you feel me? So yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, so I was about to say that 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 wasn't the first person I heard. So I heard them. I heard all of those routines. You know what I'm saying? And then uh, the first maybe was uh, UTFO who had broke. You know they had the song called Fairy Tale Lover. Yes, sir. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so they had done a lot of singing too. I was like, mm, you know what I mean? Uh, you know, then maybe maybe the next. A uh, big look was like maybe like Slick Rick, you know what I'm saying? You know what I mean? Like Lottie Dottie, right? Like you know what I mean? Um, I think I think I think what more signified me maybe, and I, I'm, I'm not answering for people putting words in my but maybe it was just what I was singing about. You, you know what I'm saying? Uh -huh. So my thing, and especially with with more of a Southern aesthetic, was like more of Negro spiritual, right? You kind of see what I'm saying? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, and and that was that was my. And let, and let me let me give you guys a little bit more um, insight too. Like me and T, grew all the way up. We from the kindergarten. You know what I'm saying? You feel me? His mother and father still stay a street over, a literal street, one street over from the house I grew up in, my my grandmother's house. Oh wow! So we've known each other that long. But he's older than me. You know what I'm saying? You feel me? Like all the brothers, they they like three years older than me. So I'm the baby in Goody Mob. Right. You know what I'm saying? But my sister graduated in their class. Did my sister graduate class? One year behind. One year behind. Okay, oh, the wow. next class of 90, she was 91, and I'm 93. Okay. You know what I'm saying? But he was right about Joe. You know what I'm saying? Like, Joe, I don't know if Joe wanted to say it, but like, Joe was voted most attractive. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and we called our high school, we called Benjamin E. Mays the hill because it does literally sit on like, like Stone Mountain on a big hill. Right. So it's like the hill. So a lot of stories and folklore and tall tales were coming down off the hill. And his... His uh, uh, his story was legendary in the neighborhood. Whether I was just talking reminding Gil. Now, Joe probably was always impressed that I noticed. You know, like it was like a famous fight with Zock 
Yeah. And Zop, Zop was a, a sorority kind of kind of gang. Atlanta was like a little warriors too. It was, little, it was like little okay. gangs. You know what I'm saying? You feel me? Little high school gangs. And they had the uh with the Greek lettering like Zop. You know what I'm saying? Mm. I just remember seeing him in the mall and but hmm, you know what I'm saying or whatever. But I, you know, uh, you know, apparently he fought all of them one night by himself. <laughs> <laughs> and that was a great story because at the hill, uh Southwest uh uh, uh West Mountain Park, you know what I'm saying, which was across the street from my grandmother's house. People would if you cut school to go there, or after the, the football games, people would go there to fight. So it was like the outsiders too, like Pony Boy and Dallas, and right? Dallas, you know what I mean? So that kind of stuff. So I would hear stories about him, and I was also a younger, you know but I was making my name too. You know what I'm saying? You feel me? Um, uh, <laughs> so it's crazy that and then me and me and three thousand, we met uh, in the third grade. So I've been knowing him that long. You know what I mean? Wow. And it was a homeboy of mine. We got we got to holler out, uh, uh, Killer B and JD. Rest in peace, JD. They were homies out the neighborhood. They were like some of the first hustlers. Okay. You know, out of the neighborhood, and they put money on it. Like they was managing me at one time, but it was all like friends and partners too. You know what I'm saying, and they was the first. He, they were the first ones to play me the Lumberjacks demo. So it was a record called Booyak, Booyak and Sack. You know what I mean, and produced by Mixo. You know what I'm saying, like, and it was a strange sound. Like you know what I mean, like. And it's it remind it the it sounded like lumberjack, and a lot of the slang they was using, you know what I mean, like was just completely different, you know what I mean. But I just associated the two things with the stories I heard from him as a real live person, but then as an MC, I'm like, damn, that's cool, Joe, you know. But um, but I, I might have would have said that's Willie, you know what I'm saying? Because you know, like that's what my sister would be like, Willie Knight, Willie Knight, you know? <laughs> 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 the Dreamboat, but he was, but, he, but he was also like a, a, a real live roadhouse house brawler. You know what I'm saying? Right. Like, so I love that too. You know what I'm saying? You feel me? But it's a long story, man. But we just known each other so long, but it but not in a musical capacity. You know what I'm saying? Like I knew Gilp, I knew of Gilp because Gilp was very unique looking. You know what I'm saying? Like and to signify himself. Gip wore all silver when gold was the thing. You know what I'm saying? You feel me? So I remember having When everybody chance. else was wearing gold, you was wearing silver. Yep. So that was his thing. You know what I'm saying? You feel been. me? Like he might have been one of the first cats to have a car too. Like they had the, the Azuzu Trooper. You know oh, I used to love that damn car. I wanted <laughs> you know one of them saying? shit so bad I know what to do. So he rolled around in the trooper, you know what I'm saying? Like, and Gip was like, you know, like we just like he looked like a, you know, like a like a, a, a you know, somebody just different. You know what I'm saying? Like you feel me? We we knew He's early on, he had some type of sense of himself. Right. In the, in the way that he wanted to, you know, like, be distinguished. And that you could respect, you know what I'm saying? You know, um, but it was being J.D. who brought me to the dungeon. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, um, but I, I ended up bumping, and I'm like, T, Joe, yeah, what y'all doing over here? Mm-hmm. You know, but then I then I knew Dre them from school. And when we were in school one day, they were like, we met these guys called Organized Noise. You know what I'm saying? You know, and I had met them. I'm like, cool, you know, um. Cause I was with a crew called the GA Style at that time, and I was trying to we was trying to hook them. Anyway, I I, I try not to talk so much. No, that's man, okay, but, brother. Keep on talking. People anyway, are interested in this. So anyway, um, we at Greenbrow Mall, and a homeboy my name Fat Keith was at the uh, the payphone. Um, no, no, Marquez Etheridge who ended up writing uh, Waterfall. Right. And I recognized his face because there, you know the little headshots, uh, the little promotional pictures that people yeah. send out. They were in a group called the U-Boys. I recognized his face from a picture. And I don't know how my homeboy, Fat Keith, knew him, but he was like, hey, Marquez. He's like, yo, my homeboy singing, he raps. So we stepped outside the mall. I sung and I rapped for him. He said, I like your, I like your singing better than your rapping. I'm like, cool, I can do both. And I was like, you feel me? So he said, actually, I was on the phone trying to call over to the dungeon, 
and nobody picking up the phone. He said, I'm sure they there, but they probably just can't hear because of the music. And he was like, shit, you need a ride over there? So we ended up taking him over there that night. And I ended up singing and rapping for Sleepy Brown. He said, I like your singing. You know what I'm saying? Better than your rap. I said, cool. I can do both. Then Rico walks in. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were just coming from getting something to eat. So he walked in with Dre and Big. And Dre was like, man, that's CeeLo who I was telling you about. That's the homeboy do all the story raps. So all I did was story raps around that time. You know oh, what wow. So I, I rapped for, for Rico, too. And um, I, I, I instantly felt like... Um, it was home, but then later, at a later time, B and JD brought me back, and I'm saying we had the same. I said I've been over here before. Right. That nigga can't manage me. And <laughs> <laughs> hey, let me tell you how hard this dude is, though. Let me tell you how hard home is. He's so hard. Back when we were starting at the dungeon, man, I was like a writing crazy person. Man, I would write on so much stuff. Had so many writes. We come over there with probably a stack of papers with just so many raps on. Cujo had so many raps. I never forget this. He had. A big thick book. I said, "What you got in there, low man?" He opened that thing. It was dead bone empty. <laughs> 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 he had nothing. But I tell you what, this was dope about it though. The first right rap that I think he wrote in that book, if I'm not mistaken, I may be wrong. See, was it was it the one you did on the one for the you got the rap of the month? Yep, get up, get, get, up. Up. get, up, get I, out. I had bought the the notebook. You know what I'm saying? But but I, at the time I was just writing titles. I was just. I have titles came to me quicker than songs. And I was just right, got an empty page. Here go a title. That's a good title, though. It's going to mean something one of these days. <laughs> but Joe was dope, too, because, like, you know, his aesthetic was dope. And I, and I will say this, like, you know what I mean? Let it be known, man. Like, everybody felt like Cujo was the best. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, Cujo's style was, he might he might rap, uh, write a rap. I seen him have a a, a roll of toilet tissue with, with, with raps on it. And just, you know, reading off raps off that. I seen him take the bag off his 40 ounce and say, oh, his Deuce Deuce Coke 45 and write a rhyme on the brown bag. I'm saying, all kind of different stuff in there was just so unique to notice out of your peripheral vision. Right. Like, hey, he's something else. You know, you know what right. I mean? You feel me? He ain't playing with no, it. No, but I knew the other side of him too. And that's the side I wanted to, you know, I wanted to, you know, make an impression on that side of him. So one time, you know, uh, we like, man, we we going to beer run. We're going to the liquor store or whatever. So we ended up going to get some 40s or whatever from the studio. Uh, and we was at another studio that day, too, at Ralph and Ed X studio, another little joint, before we even got to the dungeon. Mm-hmm. It was in the Cut and Supreme. <laughs> so we so the liquor store is right in front of Kmart. You know, so I'm like, man, let's, let's stop up in this Kmart. You know what I'm saying? You feel me? We Back then, you know, you only had... You think about songs like I Got Five on it, man. Like, everybody was broke. That's a that's broke right. song. That's a broke-ass that's song. That's why it was so real. Because <laughs> we think about how pathetic that is. We going in on Knicks. When I got $2 on it, man, you know, we going in on nickel bags of weed. You know what I'm saying? Right. So anyway, we ain't had no money, so you know what it was. We going to came up just trying to test each other, man. I just wanted to let him know I was all the way down. You know what I'm saying? You know, so... I stole a book bag. He stole some drawers. You know, but that was that was our bond off to the side. You right. Know, you feel me? But then, then and it all it yeah. all really kind of started for you guys. Like it was really the love of hip hop. It was really music. Yeah. It's really the love of the music more because there was no money. We ain't none of us had no damn money. And you know, the the first person to ever sign the chain gang was Easy Lee. Really? Easily. He was the first first one to give me a check. At his house. And that was the first 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 place that I saw uh escape at Easily House. Oh wow. 
Oh, so, wow. So, so after, the music just that everybody was connected in some kind of way. Easy Lee was Kumo D's DJ. Thinking. Yes, he was. That's my man, DJ Easy Lee. Everybody is connected in some kind of way with each other. Somebody knew somebody, somebody knew somebody else and said, hey, this dude, do this, this dude, do that, this dude want to do this. Oh, this is the guy that wrote for TLC. Y'all knew TLC too, though, back, back in the days too. So everybody knew somebody. What was that vibe like coming from where you guys were coming from when it just wasn't about anything but music? It wasn't about money. It wasn't about shit. Right. I mean, that was that was an awesome time, man, because I think that um, a lot of a lot of musicians are more creative in that infancy, infancy stage. You feel what I'm saying? Because it's, it's way innocent then. You feel what I'm saying? Because I can remember um, in middle school, in middle school, uh, the new addition came to my school, and Houdini came to my school, and Curtis Blow came to my school, and that's when we playing basketball was coming out, mm-hmm. and Friends. When I seen that, I was like, "Oh man, I want to do that. I want to do that." So we came up with a group called Party Crashers in middle school, and it just led from there on into high school, on into after high school, into something else because it was just it was nothing down here in Georgia, but music that you play in the strip club, you know what I'm saying? Then with Luke, then with uh, Miami Bass, uh, uh, we said Magic Mike, you know what I'm saying? All those, but to be able to, man, write something and hear your voice, that was the thing, hearing your voice, because at first, I had a little, I had a little baby voice, you know what I'm talking about, man, like, you know, some some shit like that, (laughs) but the shit got deeper and deeper and deeper, and I was like, man, whoa, what is this? So it was just, it was just advancing, in different stages of our life, man, where it was like, man, this music thing, this is what it is. This this bonds everybody. This 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 crosses over color barriers, ethnic barriers. Cause I mean, we in Germany, we all over the world, man. Some people can't even speak English, but still vibing to the music. You know what I'm saying? So, started with the music first, man. That's that's what everything. It starts with that music first. You were know? you were you always? Well, they done said your name a million times, Willie Knight. <laughs> <laughs> Willie Knight, the one the girls like. <laughs> were you always Cujo? No. Who were you before Cujo? I'm going to ask all of y'all the same I question. Was, uh, well, my nickname is Sud. That's what, that's what my grandmama, my mama, that's what my family. Where did Sud come from? Well, Sud come from when my daddy and my uncle was drinking beer. <laughs> And when he popped the big, he said, hey, I heard you had another sud, man. I heard you had a sud. So that's where that came from, man. Okay. That's where that came from. <laughs> and then uh, Big Wheel, that's from uh, playing football at, um, at Mays High. They called me Big Wheel. And then I had that name for a minute. But you was rapping under Big Wheel? Was I rapping under Big Wheel? Yeah. I used to be a knockout specialist. <laughs> I went Big through. Big Wheel was a knockout specialist. I went through Kid MC. <laughs> man. <laughs> We Poppers, that was another, uh, yeah, Mr. Cujo and the We Poppers. Those were, yeah, man, that's what's up, man. <laughs> Mr. Cujo and the We Poppers. We Poppers, we pop them, we pop them. Yeah. We pop them. And uh, Cujo, man, now that, that's that's something kind of different. Because at first, I had heard of this guy named Cujo. He was uh, a maroon, a maroon. And... It was back in the days in the slavery days where this guy escaped from the plantation, gathered a whole bunch of other slaves, and they go back to the plantation, steal food, kill the master, do whatever they got to do. Uh-huh. So I was like, well, damn, 
they got a, a movie called Cujo, and I just like, well, man, white folk probably swapped that thing out and made it into a dog. Right. You feel what I'm saying? So I was just trying to use something in my name, which my last name is Knighton. So I was just trying to be creative, man, for a minute, but Cujo just stuck with me. Okay. Cujo Goody just stuck with me. Timo, always been Timo? No, I started off, uh, I wanted to be uh, Timo Smooth. Okay. <laughs> you know <what> I'm <laughs> so I, I went from Timo Smooth, you know, to Ice Cold Tea. Ice cold ice tea. tea. <laughs> like, I, I wanted to be iced tea, but it was already iced tea. Oh, yeah, absolutely. You know what I'm saying? So much respect to him. Mm -hmm. But I was trying to figure out, because everybody called me T-Boo, and I refused for that to be my name. That was a nickname that was given to me on the bus. Okay. I used to get you know, jumped on by the bigger boys sometimes. They might give me a wedgie and all that type of stuff. And I got it. I ain't going to even lie. I guarantee you none of y'all could have stopped me either. Bro. <laughs> 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 big, man. Yeah, it made me who I am today, though. You know what I'm saying? So, um, you know, it just, the name stuck with me, T-Boo. But then the T-Mo Smooth, just I chopped the smooth part off because I felt like we were rugged. Me and Cujo were rugged and raw. We were rugged. We were lumberjacks. You know, living, like you say, in the traps, writing raps, you know what I mean, doing what we did every day, you know, traveling down the streets, you know, getting respect from everybody. So the smooth part, you know, I chopped it off and it was just T-Mo. And then when we figured out who we were as a group and as, as and who our, what our responsibility was to hip-hop, I, I put Goody on the end of it, T-Mo Goody. Okay. CeeLo, always been CeeLo, brother? No, I had one other name, you know what I'm saying? Uh, I had an alter ego, and it, his name was Rallo. That was it. But now we got a young Rollo out there today. And I, I, I kind of, I kind of grin about that to myself because I don't, I don't know if people ever knew. But the only time it's ever been mentioned or recorded was I had to do a clean edit to, um, <clears throat> to uh, get up, get out. And that's the only time I ever said a Rollo. You supposed to be grown. That's it. Right. You know, how somebody. about how about you, Gip? Always been Gip. Always been Big Gip. How many names you went through, brother? It was, one. It was chaos first, filled with a K, and then I just, you know. One day, man. Uh, that mic, bro. I, I was uh. One day, I was talking to my pop, and he was like, uh, I was like, man, I don't know what I'ma name myself. And he was like, shit, what your last name is? Mm -hmm. And I was like, Gip. He said, you that. And I always, I was like, <laughs> just that simple, huh? That's right. Just that simple, big Gip. Just that simple. Hey, yo, sometimes the things, sometimes those things happen, man. I had the, uh, I had the audition for your TV raps coming up. And uh, I went upstairs. My mom was in the kitchen cooking. I'll forget this. And she said, have you figured out a name to tell them people when you go in there? I said, yeah, I'm going to go with Ed the Lover because I was talking to this chick. And uh, I don't know. I was on some anti-fucking girlfriend shit at the time. <laughs> and I'm talking to her, and I'm talking to her cousin at the same time. And she on the phone with me, and she's like, uh, Ed, I can't stand you. You swear you're a lover. And I was like, I am a lover. I'm Ed the lover. Fuck you. And click the phone <laughs> on him. You remember when you used to be able to hang that fucking phone uh, up yeah, on somebody? Yeah, yeah, you were yeah, banging yeah. in their ear. Okay. They can hear that shit loud and clear. I banged the phone on it. So when I went upstairs, my mother said, well, what name are you going to use? I said, I think I'm going to go with Ed the lover. And my mother was like, no, I don't like that verb. That the, the the, just take the the out because Ed Lover sounds like that could really be somebody's name. Yeah. So you should just go with Ed Lover. Ed and Lover. I just went with Ed Lover because my mama said so. Yeah, and the rest is history. So sometimes, you know, somebody older than you and smarter than you can see something that you can't see, mm -hmm. and they give you something, and you take it, and shit, my mom made history out of that name, man. That's so funny. Edwin. 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 Okay. Edwin. Edwin. 
Yeah, it was. That's funny. You just reminded me, like you know, the other times when you can hang up on somebody. Man, I don't, I don't know if y'all did this in that, uh, on the East Coast, but down here we used to do this. You remember this? Uh, hey, uh, you want to talk to my retarded cousin right quick? Who's your retarded cousin? Hold on, here you go. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh no! Oh no! We used to hit it with. We used to hit it with. Hey, your refrigerator running? <laughs> like, you better go catch. <laughs> Back in the days when we all had that, we all had the answering machines. Absolutely. And you spent a whole lot of time hitting that pause button yeah, trying yes, to create uh, the yeah. best thing yeah. that you can that you can create <laughs> that, that right. little last tape on that answer right. machine. That's so crazy. somebody was gonna be entertained when they called my phone and I wasn't home. It's crazy that we sit here with you, man, because I was just um surfing on YouTube the other day and I was just looking at all the um that that last when you don't see the raps going off air and um everybody from um from Ra Rakim to Red Man to Eric Sermon, like everybody was freestyling. Yeah, yes. Damn. MC Search and yeah, Search, man. Yeah, KRS One was there, man. That that was a that was an epic show, and that was a bittersweet show because we really at your own TV rides wanted to try to get ten years in, but hip hop was changing, and hip hop had became mainstream MTV at the time, and MTV just didn't see a reason to keep that specialty kind of show around. But they didn't understand, but we understood that we were breaking brand new artists. We were introducing it, artists to the world. And while doing that, we were introducing via the artists what was going on in their community. You know, we in New York, we don't know what the fuck is going on in Atlanta. Right. We have no idea the vibe or the music or anything that was going on. Nobody knew what was going on on the West Coast. We didn't know what Compton was we didn't know what Compton was like. That's why we no. wanted to tell our story, man. Right. Because we listening to great artists like that and telling those stories, we was doing the art of storytelling and didn't, even, and didn't even know. Right. You know what I'm saying? Just really putting this down of what we go through every day. So we was like, well, we can't be like people in New York. We can't do like the folk in, in California. That was conscious. Yeah. You yep. consciously said we can't yep. do that. Yep. We consciously said that. We can't do that. Because Biden was outlawed. Right. So you feel yes, me? Yes, like, sir. Right. No, yes, Biden. sir. That's why it, That's it drives me crazy so many good. times if I hear so many of these groups and I have to even ask my kids, who is that? Right. Because they sound like the same, same person that right. would just rap and nobody, you didn't bite. You didn't do it. Fat Five Freddy had an MTV ring. Mm, and yep. I thought that MTV ring was so dope. And I just went and I said, well, I can't buy that because no Fab got one. So yeah. I got a bubble. I got my jeweler to make me the bubble for Yo! MTV Raps, the mm. bubble. And my MTV had diamonds on it. And it said mm. Yo! MTV Raps yep. because I couldn't do what Fab was doing. Right. And Yo! Gotti knocked yours off. He put the Yo! in the guy. Yeah. Yeah. You, can't, you, couldn't, you couldn't do the same thing. So consciously, whatever music was influencing y'all at the time, y'all was like, we can't do that. How did y'all become so conscious? Because that wasn't what was happening. I'm saying listening to everybody else's stuff got us to be who we are today. You feel what I'm saying? Because, I mean, titles like Soul Food, you know what I'm saying? What, what region of the country would that come from but the South? That's right. You feel what I'm saying? Uh, Dirty South. You feel what I'm saying? Sail Therapy. You know what I'm saying? I mean, songs like that. That was we was we was greatly influenced by other regions, like I said, uh, Naughty by Nature, uh, uh, Cypress Hill. I mean, right. we went to, our first time going to New York, the dude thought I was Tretch. 
<laughs> he thought he was uh, Vinny. Right. And the dude was like, hey, Tretch, come into my store. Come, come. I was like, he was like, man, go on in there. I was like, <laughs> I was like, you better have a great deal in here, man. Right. He's like, Tretch, Tretch. You feel what I'm saying? So, man, right. we used to listen to all those people up in the day, man. All that, man. So that's how we got to be conscious by listening to other people and not doing the same thing they did. So that actually challenged us. Mm. It challenged us to do things. It, it challenged us to write rhymes because we was writing verses over 16 bars. Were you? Yes, the first, oh, first, first what, four albums? I mean, four, five songs? songs? Eight minutes long. Man, those songs were long, man. And I got I to gotta salute Organized North because they let us do it, man. Yeah. They let us go for I, what we know. I think it was I think it was definitely that that allowance. And I, um, <clears throat> and I think that it was also a bit of naivete. You know, uh, you know what I mean? Like, we, I, we just didn't really know what was format. You know what I'm saying? You know what I mean? Like, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we, <clears throat> to go back to consciousness, like, you know, um, I just got through talking to Pots, like, you know, Pasta News from De La Soul, and you just made me think, you know, of how I was so greatly uh, influenced by um, the native tongue. You know what I mean? Like, whether it was De La Soul. Um, Tribe Called Quest. Tribe Called West. Tribe Called Quest, excuse me. Uh, Jungle Brothers, Done by the Forces of Nature is one of my favorite albums. Uh-huh. And I had a lot of time to listen to it when it came out, you know what I mean? Um, Because I was in military school. Me and T both at separate times went to uh, Riverside uh, Military Academy in Gainesville, Georgia. Okay. You know what I'm saying? So, like, you know, I mean, sitting, sitting, you know, with your headphones at your radio, like, you know, that that was real, uh, and you know, that was real critical, you know what I'm saying? Like, you know, uh, self-discovery. At that time, you know what I mean. I, I can even go as far back to King Son, Lakim mm-hmm. uh, Shabazz, wow. you, know, like, you know stuff like that. You know what I mean, like you know um, what it means to be black. The whole black movement, you know right? X Clan, X Clan, Public Enemy. Yeah. Oh we, man, oh my. We from class of ninety. Yeah, us three. We from class of '93, so we all from the nineties. When that goddamn feel of a black planet came out, man, let me tell you something. It sold out. This how serious that that record was. I cut school to go to Peppermint to get my copy. Because though. after the school, <laughs> they were gone. It's so out. That's how much love we had for New York hip hop. Y'all don't understand. Like that's all we had back then. That was really selling. Right. And we would go to that peppermint man and buy that stuff as soon as it dropped. Man, public. It was either peppermint or super sound. Super sound. Peppermint was, was in the mall. The super sound was in the, in the in a strip mall. Okay. You know we got the, how that feel them man. Like you know like the, the, that's the OG in the neighborhood. His record store. And I remember that's fun. I got a story about that too. Like you know, but it's saying it's public enemy too. I was working at a balloon shop in Greenbrier Mall. And uh, with my first little few little dollars, I walked across the street and I bought uh, the, uh, the twelve inch for my uh, for Rebel without a call, Rebel without a pause, and my Uzi wears a ton was on the, on the yes sir oh yeah, and it was all of them in this parking deck. It was a picture they all had on the, had on the triple uh, triple fat goose uh, you know uh, uh, v, v bombers right you know what I'm saying in front of the whole ninety eight the ninety eight posse you know, was running. Right. Right. had a pistol, so I'm like yeah, I'm like damn, they on some gangster shit, but it's still. Conscience, like I ain't really know what Public Enemy was, but I was fascinated with them and, and maybe Flavor's voice too, or maybe the juxtaposition between him and Chuck. Right. And we, but Rebel Without a Pause, oh my God. That, Rebel Without a Pause that, was that, so that, important to me. I had Rebel <clears throat> Without a Pause with my boy. I, me and my boy laugh all the time because radio, we were Radio Raheem before Spike Lee made Do the Right Thing. Right. We had Rebel Without a Pause on a 90 minute Maxell. 
You remember those yes, Max sir. Hell yeah. tapes? Yeah. It was 45, it was a 90-minute tape, 45 minutes on one side, 45 wow. minutes on the other side. Right. The only thing that was on that tape was Rebel Without a Pause. Wow. And we would play the 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 one the lyrics, then the instrumental, then the lyrics, then the mm. instrumental. Yeah. Then, and whenever the instrumental came on, we would rhyme. Mm. And then we'd play this shit, all dr- walking around drinking 40s yeah. all day, playing yeah. Rebel Without a Pause all it's, fucking it was, day. That Bomb Squad production, it yes, was sir. so psychedelic. Yeah. It was so nerve-wracking. I'm sound like, you know, but... But uh, invigorating and just compelling and mesmerizing. Chuck told me one time they did it on purpose. They wanted it to be noisy. They wanted they didn't want to make music. He said that girls liked. Mm. He said we we mm. made rebel music. No doubt, they we made that. stadium bangers. He said yeah. we we watched Run DMC and them, and we had to make big, loud. Right. We didn't want girls to like our music. Right. He said so we made it noisy and dysfunctional as possible. I want to say that true. I want to just since we since we're talking, it's going to be current. I think we've mentioned this in maybe some 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 interviews um, um, prior, but or before. But the, that true collective consciousness. I got I got to shout out to um, to the God uh, Buster Rhymes. You know what I'm saying? Like who I was a big fan of at the time, and he just happened to be working next door in in, in the studio from us. And he you know he, he you know he not barged in, but yo your brothers. You know what I'm saying? Like. Check this out. I got this piece of literature. You know what I'm saying? No disrespect. You know what I'm saying? Like, we, we, I'm done with it. I just want to pass this knowledge on. Blah, you know what I'm saying? Like, you know, bless y'all with what y'all doing. And, you know, this, that, and the third. You know what I'm saying? So we've always been befriended since the beginning. He gave us Behold a Pale Horse. Big Rule read it first. Everybody read it in the dungeon. And we all lived at the dungeon at the time. Right. So that book went around. So either he would be reading in the chair. You know what I'm saying? Like, somebody might go out and sit on the front steps and read it. And that we were just like, wow. You know what I'm saying? You feel me? Like, wow. Right. Uh, and, 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 and basically, it, it, it blew our minds. Were you guys surprised by the success of your first album? I was. I think we were surprised because at that time, I think it just took a, a, a longer time for records to do what they did back then. Uh-huh. So, it, you know, you put more work in to make those records big, and we were surprised. And, you know, I talk about this all the time. It was like, once we went on tour with the Roots and the Fuji, with 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 the Roots and the Fujis, I think in the middle of that tour is when we all start recognizing the change, and 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 you know what we were to the to the actual. Game. Who was who was opening the tour? Uh, we were. We were. Y'all were the opening act, yeah. the, and the Fujis were headlining. Yep. Okay. I remember, and, and it was like I remember. Um, I mean, we got halfway through the tour, man, and they dropped that "Killing Me Softly." And we walked into the uh, into the dressing room, and why Claire? Yeah. 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 You're right. <laughs> that was his exact word. Is it? And that's when we, when that record did so big, that's when we had some type of gauge on what true success was because I didn't really know what success was. I thought we were successful. And, you know, because we were all namesakes in our city. You know what I mean? Like, you know, like, we weren't lame or squad none. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like, we, you know, we was all out here, as they say. <laughs> <laughs> so in terms of music, you know what I mean? Like, you know, that was uh, something very organic. But that, that had Organic from, and, let's and, go back and to unassuming. All, all you guys being namesakes in your city already. When you guys came together, dropped Soul Food, the shit blew the fuck up. It had to fuck everybody up. Because for, for to a certain degree, I was all in the streets. No doubt, and it, it was be, it was because of the content that was very perplexing to people. You, you know what I'm saying? Because they would expect you four to do track, right? 
to talk about the trap. Right. And you stayed away from it. Stayed away from it. Well, it was a little. Yeah. It was a little sprinkle of it in there. <laughs> a little sprinkle of it, and I would say um, thought process for me. It was thought process in Sesame Street. Right. But the type of uh, the type of, I say the type of trapology that people are out here doing now, it's actually niggas is actually trapping on records. Like you know what I'm saying? I'm selling dope and got that. I got a plug out here. I got my plug here and plug here. It wasn't like that. You feel what I'm saying? Because it was. It was more than that, man. It was just that a nigga was trying to make money on his own. You feel what I'm saying? Tax-free. But still, you still got to deal with these your folk you selling dope to. Right. You feel what I'm saying? You got to deal with, damn, nigga, I, I went to school with you, man. I ain't finna sell you no dope, nigga. Oh, come on, Willie. Give me that damn dope. Give it to me. Shit like that. You feel what I'm saying? The shit know. Pimp talk about. Like, man, if you gonna talk about this dope shit, now you talk about the bad side and the good side. Say, man. You feel what I'm saying? So that's not happening now. You feel what I'm saying? So I don't think that that's, I don't think that that's real trap. You feel music to me? I felt like being in the trap, I was trapped. You feel what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. I was trapped. I don't have a job. You feel what I'm saying? Police can come here anytime. Nigga can come up here anytime, busting it across his head. Mm -hmm. All that type of stuff. But we kind of stayed. It's, it was plenty of shit we could have did. I mean, we done had a big wig come to us and ask us, man, y'all don't get y'all dicks up, man. Yeah. Mm. yeah, like, of course we do, but we supposed to <laughs> we supposed to rap about this shit? I mean, <laughs> shit, Luke was doing that shit already. Right. You feel what I'm saying? So we couldn't bite off Luke like that. But that shit blew me away. That's that what he that wanted shit. you to rap about? Man, he just, he had it. He he just was, asked us because he was, he was afraid of us. In so many words, or just perplexed by us, like you guys are so serious all the time. And he said it in a joking way. You know what I'm right. saying? Like right. he, he was keeping it real. I could, I could respect his transparency. You know what I'm saying? But like, yeah, that's exactly. I had never what heard. Said. I mean, never heard that before, like that. You know what I'm saying? It's just like you said, <laughs> it was a serious. It was a serious gesture, but it was a, a insinuation type thing. Like, man, come on, man. And Today, then that's when I think we put the world party out. Okay. The world to party out. Today's music, man, I mean, with the trapping, man, and all that, man, like, uh, that ain't real trapping, man. That's, uh, that, that, that's, that's fed music. Let's <laughs> <laughs> get indicted music, huh? Yeah, man, that's a, that's a sting, man. But the thing is, why, when we do music, why we had to feel like we had to come out and be dope dealers and then to establish some type of realness? Right. You feel what I'm saying? Whereas we did our thing, came out, and we established this type of realness, you feel what I'm saying? Well, a nigga can rap about, I got to go to the grocery store. I got the grocery list I got to fill out. I got to do all this shit. That type of stuff, you feel what I'm saying? Real storytelling type shit. So why is it in our genre of music, we had to be coming out, oh, yeah, nigga, I, I kill a nigga ass. Or, nigga, I, I'm getting 17, five. Or, I'm just naming shit out of my head because that's what I hear, you know what right. I'm saying? But I can't fault them because if that's all you know, that's, that's all, you, all know. you know. But you got OGs around where you can ask Questions like that, but it, this is not the type of feel where niggas feel like they can ask the older generation questions because they think, oh, y'all niggas just ain't got money. I got, I got some money. I got money, so I guess what I'm doing the right thing. But it ain't necessarily so. Just because you making money, you think you're doing the right thing. So you're making money, but at what cost? Right. And that's the irony well, of you it. At you the cost of your community. Yeah. You you driving, you dragging, you dragging your community. You feel what I'm saying? If, if it was up to me, I would love. Old school hip hop all day. Old school R&B all day. You feel what I'm saying? Because it sounds like niggas actually cared about people back then. You feel what I'm saying? But now it's like, nigga, I go in here, I get a deal. 
nigga throw me five million on the table, guess what? I'm keep making the same music. Yeah, at any cost. At any cost. At any cost. And 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 it's also to the point where, as far as they're looked up to because they're making money, right. and we opened the door for you to make the money. No doubt. We had a. It, it, to me, the difference is now is we love the music. The music came first to us. The money came secondary. Right. Now it's like the money comes first and the music comes secondary. So if I could say this shit, even if I've never lived it, even if I didn't do it, if I could say this shit and get a hit record and I can make this money, that's all it's about to me. And I don't give a fuck yeah. about nothing else. The, the, the money was a byproduct of quality. You know what I'm saying? You mean? As right. Opposed, as opposed to a, a government-funded agenda. <laughs> 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 yeah, I like, because I feel like, you know, they... they, they Doubling and tripling, tripling up the payment. You know what I'm saying? Like you know what I mean? Like the pay rate. You know what I'm saying? Like to to widen that communication gap. You know what I'm saying? You feel me? Yes, sir. And to, and to cause dissension and disconnect and disrespect. You know what I mean? Like you feel me? Toward the elders and toward the, the forefathers and the architects who built it. You know what I'm saying? Who built the business model? Absolutely. And if you don't know, and if you're a kid and you're growing up and you don't know, and and this is just my opinion, I've said this a million times, I feel like that goes all the way across the board, especially with the first thing they did was snatch it out of the schools. Right. So if you if you take it out of schools and you're not teaching them, then they're not going to respect what comes before that. Right. Right, so if they don't respect it, then you widen that gap by giving them more money. You got look at you, you got money. They don't, don't listen to them. They don't. They ain't make no money the way you making money. And then that's further dissension. That's further spreading everything apart. And then you don't respect it. And then now you're making music about how you don't even respect yourself. You don't respect your women. Mm-hmm. And everybody else is a nigga that you can shoot. Right. But that doesn't happen to you. It trickles down to your community because your community... Music right. is such a fucking influence. That's right. No doubt. Is, right? Music is so influential that we can all think of songs that put us absolutely, like, in... And if I hear Pivo Bryson, I'm so into you, I remember exactly what girl I was oh, in love with when that song came out. Right, exactly, exactly. You understand what I mean? I remember exactly. The music makes you feel something. So if you keep feeding somebody negativity, and I believe that this is being done on purpose. That's what I'm saying. You keep feeding them negativity, they're going to turn around and be negative towards each other because when you guys were out, when Public Enemy was out, when X-Clan was out, when Queen Latifah was out, when the Fugees was out, we called each other brother. What's right. up, my brother? How you doing? I love your album, my brother. Keep right. on doing your yeah, thing, yeah, brother. Yeah, now it's it fuck that nigga. Fuck this nigga. Yeah. Fuck this yeah. nigga. If this nigga say the wrong shit to me, I'll kill him. But it's not the artists that are doing it. That trickles down to the community and the young dudes feel that way about it's, each other. It's, and, and there's a number of <clears throat> ironies, you know, to consider. Let's say like, you know, like, um, you know, the golden era of hip hop, I mean, like, you know, 50% of the ownership was already defaulted due to the sampling. Right. You know what I'm saying? So we didn't have as much equity, you know what I'm saying, like, as assumed. You know what I'm saying? You know what I mean? Like, you know, right. b- b- prior to us learning the game, you know what I mean? Like, we didn't realize we had to pay for the samples. It wasn't, <laughs> right. it wasn't until the big lawsuit with Biz Marquis. That's his, right. Remember? With yeah. Simon and Godfunk. Absolutely. So yes, that's sir. when the game changed. Changed like, the whole game. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. But, you know, and so th- that's one thing I can say constructive about the generation. They, It is original and see, it's kind of hard to call it music because I believe that it's more it qualifies more as original content. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, um, because content is shelf space and time slot. You, you know what I'm saying? Like, you know, right. like, uh, you feel me? Because more or less, some some of these songs are commercials for the drugs that they're 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 promoting. Right. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. It's like I don't know if it's a, I don't know if it's a song or a commercial. Right. You kind of see what I'm saying? Yeah. Um. 
So, but what was ironic about that, like it ended up being more expensive. So therefore we, we, we lost by default, you know, more money and ownership, you know what I'm saying? Like in our arts and crafts and culture, but we were sampling our mother's and father's music and it kept the bridge, you know what I'm saying? Like, and it kept, it, 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 it allowed our, our eldership, you know what I'm saying? Like, you know, uh, to run concurrent with the way that we were growing. Yeah. We were, we were taking. It's the, like a the, good, the, it's the, like uh, a good ass throwback okay. jersey. Yeah. You know, when throwbacks were hot, throwbacks, I always liked it because a throwback would make a young person go, well, who is Wes Unsell? Right. Why am I wearing a Wes Unsell jersey? And then they would go and look up and see who Wes Unsell was. It made you go, okay, welcome to the Mardi Gras and shit, but they sample who Bob, who the fuck is Bob James? Right. And then you go back and look at Bob James because you were trying to get into hip hop and you you found Nautilus or you found something else that Bob James did and you took a little piece of it. Right. It made something. It made you want to explore who Gene Kahn was. It made you want to know who's Curtis Mayfield and who's Isaac Hayes, you know, that Biggie warning. What is that? Right. That's Isaac Hayes walk on by. Walk oh, on shit. Really? Let me go listen right. to this record. You know what yeah. I mean? And then you still got a lot of DJs and then, nowadays. And if They'll you go do find that. that version of Walk yeah. on by, you might bump into Dion Warwick's original That's version. That's right. Of walk and you on might by. want to take something. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And there you have music education. Exactly. You know what I'm saying? Exactly. Exactly. You guys came out, man, and because of. The, the sound that you you guys did, did you realize that that was a Dirty South sound, that that was the staple for what the Dirty South was supposed to sound like? Not necessarily, um, because there was a, um, it was fusion. You know what I'm saying? Like, I mean, like, you know, we we just felt like, um, you know, we, we come from a city that, that had civil rights activists, very famed and accomplished, also black bands of that time from Cameo to Brick to SOS band. Oh my God, I looked up the Cameo. So. You know, me too. And I'm saying, like, you oh know, my I can call Larry Blackman right now. Oh, hell yeah, man. I remember, yeah. I came down to Jack the Rapper, man. I was in a band, I played trumpet. Mm. And I came to Jack the Rapper, man, looking for a deal. This had to be like 84, 85. Wow. And uh, we saw Larry Blackman, man. And we, you know, I'm a, I was an album reader, liner reader. Right. I knew everybody who played every fucking thing. I can tell you who a, Jerry Hay arranged the horns on whatever. You know, I was crazy like that. And we ran into Larry Blackman, man. I was like, Lord have mercy. That was like seeing God for me. He's unsung, man. Like, he's really one of the one of the best. I, I wish somebody would do a documentary on him. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? But, but the point that you made, even when you say you play trumpet, I always say that, you know, you could pretend to be a drug drug kingpin on a rap record, but you can't pretend to play the guitar. No. You know what I'm saying? Like, so therefore, that is a trade. So live musicianship is trade. You know what I mean? You feel me? And that that's what organized noise personified. They 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 made trade applicable to pots and pans and boom bap. You know what I'm saying? You feel me? Yes, and sir. it was a blend. So it could be appreciated by the elders who actually knew the trade. You, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And it employed those 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 individuals too who were just kinda at our disposal and with and accessible to us, but who weren't necessarily working. You know what I'm saying? You feel me? Yeah. You know, but but you infuse a bass guitar, you infuse a trumpet with the soul, the like the breath of your being. That's you know, right. You feel me? Like, Hell you know, yeah. Like, so it, it it like you know it it ends up being miraculous. Like you know what I mean? Like in, in a very modern and 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 casual way, domestic way. You know what I'm saying? You feel me? But you know, I, I I'll say that the music of the day trapping sound like uh more like dirty south music to me. So yeah, I love the production. Don't get me wrong. Oh yeah, me I, I too. Love I love it. I love it. I love 808, you know what I'm saying? Like, and I love, I love the um, 
Let me say this. They take. They actually going back and starting to sample '90s music now. That's what's dope. You know what I'm saying. You yeah, feel me? I love like, it. That's cool. Like who would have never known that you know we'd be old enough to be wise. You know what I'm saying. <laughs> we were just. I mean, like Two Live Crew when we was younger. I was like, I was turned out by Two Live Crew. You know what I mean? Like I was a little deviant. <laughs> I got kicked out. Of, I used to go to Christian private school. Man. I got kicked out for taking a move some album cover to school. Wow! I didn't see no nothing wrong with it. You know what I'm saying? Two was borderline soft porn. Like yeah, it. absolutely. I'm young, but I understand. Luke was the man. Luke was right. Luke was right. somebody needs to do a Luke movie because I read Luke's book, man. Somebody need to do a movie on that dude. That that dude was probably one of the greatest entrepreneurs that I've. And my life, I remember coming down to man to Jack the Rapper, man. Where I didn't even have a deal, and and Luke befriending us, man, and Luke letting us come. And the way Luke got his records played was so classic. <laughs> Luke would bring up all the program directors in the room, right. about 30, 40 strippers in there. Yes, and you best believe they're going to play that motherfucking Luke yeah. record the next time. He Speaking of Luke and Two Live Crew, man, I just want to acknowledge, man, Fresh Kid Ice. I was actually in Miami at the time and I went to his funeral. And oh, wow. And I got a chance to, you know, bump into Luke. Luke. Luke has been a good friend of ours for years, man. Luke was at my, my wedding reception, man. So, like, you know, it's crazy, man. Like, we're good friends with so many other guys, yeah. man. That's that, that that is a beautiful thing, man. How much how much did the record company give y'all for Soul Food to record it? Twenty five million. Are you kidding me? That's what we got in our pocket. Yeah, about twenty grand. We, we got five thousand dollars a piece. Yeah. Y'all got five thousand dollars a piece. Yes. We burn it up and I moved out the house with five thousand dollars. Yeah. <laughs> well, actually, with four thousand dollars, with four thousand one hundred dollars, man. I spent nine. As soon as I got that chance, I spent nine hundred on a grill. I went Did to Eddie's Gold Teeth in oh! Five Points downstairs. Y'all know where that dude is from? He's from New York. He's from New York. I bought my first gold teeth from Eddie's Gold Just Ice first grill. Eddie's Gold Caps in Jamaica. Avenue in Queens in the College Mall. I got my first grill, my first single gold tooth up there. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yes, sir. 125th Mall. Yeah. Eddie was in. Eddie was in Queens. Eddie gave me one when I had an under the underscore on the other side. I didn't have two. I had one. I had like I could afford both of them. I got one. And then Eddie came down here and started a revolution. Did he? Yeah, so Everybody yeah, buy gold from that boy. Yeah, absolutely, man. How have you guys managed through all the years to do separate projects um, and still remain a goody mob at the same time with no bullshit? Man, I think, man, your fans not going to, your fans going to make, continue to let you be who you be. I don't care. I can go out, I can go out anywhere in Atlanta. I mean, I can look like the ugliest nigga on the planet. Nigga come up behind me. Hey, what's up, Cujo? Yeah. Like, damn. <laughs> you, you can't hide from it. You feel what I'm saying? So, but I, I, I'm glad it's like that because of the material that we put out. You feel what I'm saying? We actually tried to help our people, man, through this music. We actually tried that. And with the music that we do, sometimes it's, it's kind of hard to, to go off task. And that might kind of suppress you from doing music. For the, at, at that time right now, and I can, I I read an article with um with three thousand. He's like, man, I'm, I'm ready to retire, man. He's like, I'm ready to retire, this and that. But I can feel where he's coming from because he's done so much in, in so little time. Mm -hmm. You feel what I'm saying? Whereas we still got a long way to go because shit, our three albums just not going platinum. Oh wow! 
You feel what I'm saying? So it's like, what's the what's the deal? You feel what I'm saying? Why is it just not going platinum? But like I say, your fans are not gonna not gonna let you live down. You the good of mom. I don't give a damn how old you are, and they're gonna be pressing you. Are you gonna make new music? Uh, when y'all gonna come out with something new? You gonna you got an album you coming out with? So, I think in in some capacity, man, music is still in our in our in our blood. It's just that uh, what medium we gonna release it out on now? Okay, you feel me? Because yeah. it's, it's so it's so uh, you got to be so uh, political in this thing right now. You feel what I'm saying? And, and I feel like I'm just a I'm not politically correct. You feel what I'm saying? And I'm not finna conform to be politically correct because the people that came before me they weren't politically correct. You feel what I'm saying? P.E., he wasn't politically correct. Right. Uh, Big Daddy Kane, he wasn't politically correct. The mark of a true artist, You feel bro. what I'm saying? So it's like, nah. So if you don't like me being politically incorrect, go do some other music or listen to something else because this is not the time to be playing right now, especially the time that we living in. That's right. You feel what I'm saying? You can't put on a record and say, man, shit, I got a million dollars and you got niggas in your neighborhood hurting. That means you, you, you're out of touch. Mm. That means you don't care. You feel me? So that's that's kind of like how I feel. I'm glad we, we came out on the Soul Food pedestal, man, because people still remember and, that. And, and, and then piggyback, what are you saying? Like, you know what I mean? Like, you're absolutely right. I'm th- I'm so fortunate, and it's such a blessing that we did or moved, compelled, or used and utilized to do the music that we did because it is truly music that we can grow old gracefully with. You know and not be embarrassed that you ever did it. Right. Nah. And it's time. We can still perform it, you know what I'm saying, like, you know, with the same uh, currency, you know what I'm saying, with the same, you know what I mean, like, urgency, the same compassion, you know what I'm saying, the same quality, the right. same movement, manner, you know what I'm saying, you feel me? And muscle. Yes, sir. You know what I'm saying? And I don't know if you were asking from in that context of how do we remain friends and, yeah. and comrades, man, because love, devotion, loyalty, commitment, you know what I'm saying, like, tolerance, you know what I'm saying, like, communication, you know what I'm saying? And, and and obligation, I'm saying, like, cause we really ganged in. Mm. You know what I'm saying? It's in your skin, it's in your blood. I always see you guys represent each other, man. All of the, no matter what projects y'all do individually, it's always get from the Goody Mob, CeeLo from the Goody Mob, Timo from the Goody Mob, Cujo from the Goody Mob. You Goody Mob is always in it. Yes, I think Goody Mob is in your soul, man. It's, it's what y'all were meant to be. God bless y'all. I'm glad we got you. That too, man, because even if sometimes you know, as an artist and as a human being, you may get frustrated. Oh, you get sick of these motherfuckers at some point. You know, and not not with (laughs) y'all motherfuckers got to get sick of each other at some point. I'm I'm, I'm glad you can talk. Please, please say that. Yeah, I'm gonna say sometimes you may get frustrated with music sometimes and and want to just explore some different angle with with the way you coming and be like, okay, man, should I try something new? It just seems like people just not taking to it the way I want them to. And it don't even come out sounding right if it ain't good. If it ain't sound, if it don't have a purpose, it don't come out sounding right for me. I done tried it before. I done tried, you know, in the studio going there and talk about some pussy, talk about getting hit, or just see what it sound like, you know what I mean? Just give it a try. And it just don't come out right. You know what I mean? That's like you say, that's what we here to do. That's what I know that's my purpose to be militant and to put everything in my music and to get out here and beat this concrete. That's what Good and Mob known for, man. We get out. That's how we, like you asked us about our album on Soul Food, man. We worked hard for that record to get where it was at. I mean, we worked so hard. I can remember, man, 
us not even get a chance to eat some days. I mean, as soon as we hit, we might fly out of town, going to Chicago. Get to Chicago, hit the ground. It's okay, we going to this radio station, this radio station, going to this record store, this record store. We got this meet and greet at 7. Y'all got a show here. Then we hopping on the bus, we going here. But there was no time to even breathe. So it wasn't lucky. We won one of them groups, so we just put a hot hit out. Bam, we rich, we laid back, relaxing. Man, we, we grinding. Yeah, you put that work in. We put it in. Man, I appreciate y'all, man. Gip, CeeLo, Timo, Cujo. Hey, hey. Goody mob, man. God damn, bro. Historic moment yeah. for me, man. Historic oh. moment for me. Hey, hey, lover, come on, son. The podcast, y'all know how I get down. Now get the fuck out of here with that bullshit. This Ed Lover podcast is being done in conjunction with Cigars International. Make sure you check out cigarsinternational.com for all your cigar needs. This episode of Come On, Son, the podcast is produced and engineered by co-executive producers Kimana Paulus and Krista Hayes. Recorded at Mean Street Studios in downtown Atlanta, Georgia, this is an official Loudspeakers Network podcast. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Oh, oh, oh. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts.